Welcome to Raiders on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today's guest is internationally acclaimed bestseller Mark Cameron. Mark is a retired Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal who spent nearly 30 years in law enforcement. His assignments have taken him from Alaska to Manhattan, Canada to Mexico, and dozens of points in between. He holds a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu and is a certified scuba diver and man-tracking instructor. Originally born in Texas, Mark is also an avid sailor and adventure motorcyclist. His books often feature boats and bikes, including OSI agent Jericho Quinn's beloved BMW GS Adventure. Since retiring from law enforcement, Mark began writing in earnest. He's now the author of the New York Times bestselling Jericho Quinn thriller series, and his short stories have appeared in the Saturday Evening Post and Boys Life magazine. In late 2016, he was chosen to continue Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan campus thriller series. He released last year's Tom Clancy Code of Honor in November 2019, and this month he's releasing Tom Clancy's Shadow of the Dragon. This is the latest installment in the Jack Ryan series and continuing the long legacy that Tom Clancy began with The Hunt for Red October almost four decades ago. Mark, welcome to Writers on the Beat. I am so grateful that you've again joined us uh, for uh, the, the folks who uh, play along at home and keep track of this. You're by far one of, uh, one of our favorite guests. I'm so grateful for you. No, thanks for taking the time. I enjoyed talking to you. Now, for readers who don't have an advanced copy of Shadow of the Dragon, what do you want them to know about this next book? Well, it was, it was super fun to write. It was, uh, I, you know, mo most of the time when I do any of my books, whether it's a Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy novel, or a Arliss Cutter, or a Jericho Quinn, I'm out talking to people and, you know, doing research and things like that. And I had a lot of that scheduled for this book, but I ended up, because of the virus, sitting in my office talking to a lot of people on the phone and Consequently, and because everybody was locked up, I had some really fascinating long <laughs> conversations with submariners and, mm -hmm. and uh, retired colonel from special from uh, from uh, special forces, and uh, you know, just the list goes on and on. And um, so, I really the the and, you know, these books are long, but they're not they're not as long as the ones that Tom Clancy used to write. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. you know, and but they're still longer than I normally write. But even so, you don't you can't shoehorn in all that uh, research. But boy, doing it was sure fun. And I feel I feel much more um, knowledgeable about Chinese nuclear submarines and <laughs> all kinds of stuff that I had not really studied much before. Yeah, and with uh, you know China has been something that's um, you know kind of I think been a fascination for uh, America. The culture is so different, right? Like. When we start talking about, you know, Western Europe, a lot of those cultures are fairly similar to ours here. There's a lot of parallels. And when you start looking at nations like China uh, that are so social, socially and culturally different, and when they've been kind of a long-term adversary of ours to varying degrees of bad and worse, and trying to write about that topic, especially with COVID, where you can't go travel there right now and get a lot of firsthand experience. How do you bring in uh, a lot of that so that the reader feels like you did? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I, and I have, I've traveled quite a bit in, in Asia and um, mostly admittedly in Japan, but I, but I have uh, my son, uh, one of my sons uh, speaks Mandarin and, and uh, has quite a bit of knowledge of, 
of that part of the world. And so I, I end up chatting with him quite a bit and have Chinese friends, Americans that are of Chinese descent and, and relatives, as a matter of fact. So, so I, um, I, you know, cause you don't want to write cardboard adversaries either. China has a reason for what China does and it's, you know, they're thinking about China's interests and sometimes individual people think about, you know, individuals think about their own self-interest. It's one of the things that makes Jack Ryan such a phenomenal character is he does not do that. He's constantly yeah. thinking about the interests of others in the United States as a whole. So it, it's nice to put him up against adversaries that are thinking about themselves plus their own nations. But yeah, I, China, Japan, Korea, that whole, and, and then on into Central Asia, um, always fascinated me. I can't remember the author that said it, um, but uh, it was a writer that writes a lot about Central Asia. And, and, and he said that, uh, I think it might've been Peter Hopkirk who wrote The Great Game, but, or maybe I read it in his book, I can't remember. But the, the quote is basically that, Central Asia is where the map in our brain starts to fade. We, mm. we know, as you said, we know Western Europe. We even know Eastern Europe from the Cold War. We know where Japan and China and Russia, but all the stands that used to be, so many of them used to be part of, mm -hmm. of the Soviet Union. Very few of us can, you know, with the exception of experts, but, and I've studied that area and still, you know, I have to flip back and forth to make sure that I'm, writing about Kyrgyzstan and not Kazakhstan and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all the borders with China. And so that's, it's very fascinating to me because it's so, you know, the, the Silk Road and that whole mm -hmm. fantastical um, area like that. It's just, it's really fascinating to me. So writing about China and Chinese culture, Chinese reasons for doing things, they're growing, um, you know, red star, blue water, navy kind of a thing mm -hmm. where they're expanding that's uh, that's some of the things that i explored in this uh in this book and hopefully people will see particularly in the a few chapters with some chinese submariners that they you know they're heroic people in their own right mm -hmm. um they're they're certainly our adversary but uh it's it was it was interesting to explore that yeah, and I think that's a, a real double-edged sword as a fiction writer, right? Like you want to be authentic enough to, you know, for the folks who have some knowledge about it that they don't throw it down in disgust. But at the same time, the rest of your readership is playing along with you, you know? Um, and, you know, so I think you have some some leeway there, but, uh, uh, you know, having enough accuracy to make it legitimate, I think is, is definitely really important, especially with topics like this that I think are um, going to be, uh, in America's forefront for, you know, the next foreseeable future. Yeah, and, and that's that's true. That's absolutely true. And that's one of the things that my, I have two sons and a daughter, and we have a lot of back and forth discussions about social issues and what's going on right now in the world and geopolitics and whatnot. And it's it's so, I mean, they're all adults. The, the youngest one's 30. Um, so we, we get a lot of, really, I mean, I just sit back and listen a good deal of the time, sort of throw <laughs> out these prompts questions or statements and, and hear their ideas and then steal them and call them my own you know but they're my kids so I guess that's okay but yeah. I uh, but I um I was I was chatting with one of my sons about the the Uyghur issues that have been going on and, I, and I've written a little bit about this in the past but it wasn't so much in the forefront 
of the news as it is right now with um you know this book was written a year ago the shadow of the dragon was written written a year ago and every economist or foreign policy or or uh, even wired magazine a couple of, of i think last month wired had a article about uyghur and the uyghur and you know internment camps and things like that so there's a uh, quite a bit of that sort of thing and, and you know china is is disputing that uh, of what many people are accusing them of doing and and this uh obviously takes a u.s centric view i mean that's sure but um it's it was interesting to to explore that and read about it a year ago and now see um everybody talking about it about the time the book's coming out so that's been an interesting sort of turn of serendipity events yeah, I think that that has, uh, for me at least, been something that was really consistent throughout my experience uh, growing up with Jack Ryan stories, was that Tom Clancy did so much research and put so much effort into making the story current, even though it was going to be a year or you know sometimes longer before a book actually came out from the time you finished writing it. And having that continue with the effort that you know, uh, that Mike Madden put in on Firing Point this year and that you put mm -hmm. in on Shadow of the Dragon to make these just absolutely poignant books that I think are actually really important for us um, uh, is just continues this incredible legacy that Tom, uh, Tom Clancy started. And I, I'm incredibly grateful to you uh, for that as a reader. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. There's no, you know, there, there's something that we strive for, but never quite attain. But the the journey certainly fun and, and I mean he was just he, he really was a, a, a savant in that mm -hmm. regard he would just you know I often say that writers are like mollusks and we just sort of filter the world around us and the zeitgeist for things that might be interesting to other people and, and whether it be a turn of phrase or a, you know a little way of doing doing something in a you know, certain culture or um, you know, something that's unique to a language that the interesting part of it translates, but we have no term for that. And I have a whole list of stuff like that in my, in my files or, or something geopolitical and, and the, the Uyghur issue, uh, the Chinese uh, Navy and, and the way they're becoming more of a blue water Navy instead of mm -hmm. a literal Navy, you know, coastal, you know, area denial kind of a Navy. Um, that kind of stuff, as I read about it a couple of years ago and then chatted about it with Tom Colgan, the, the Clancy editor, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I figured it was going to come out, especially the Uyghur stuff, that sort of of uh, accusations about putting people in camps. And I remember my son told me something about um, how bureaucrats could just, were spending the night with, with uh, Uyghur women and that just, you know, it goes, it flies mm -hmm. in the face of what we think is decent. Yes. And so it, it just makes a, where, where they just force themselves to spend the night um, to, you know, to take, quote unquote, take care of them. And mm -hmm. these Uyghur women whose, whose husbands are taken off to uh, uh, camps and, and, the, and that's not undis that's not disputed that they do it. Their reasoning is, you know, we're taking care of them. So it, it's uh it's pretty easy to find stuff about that online and write about it and now there's you know luckily reading i i don't 
I guess the the secret, if there is one, is mm-hmm. not getting my news off social media, but getting it from foreign <laughs> policy. And yes, yeah, you know. And one of the things that I really like about Wired magazine is is the publisher of that. Forgive me, I can't remember his name right now. The guy that started, but his his credo to begin Wired was, "I want people when they get this magazine," and I'm paraphrasing, "to feel like it came to them out of the future." And wow. So that's. And, and I feel that when I, so when I read a new issue of Wired or something on, and I, I have no stake in the company, don't get me wrong, I'm just telling you how I do my research. <laughs> I, um, I, I want my writing to feel that way too. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I read an article in The Economist or Wired or some little snippet in the Wall Street Journal or, or something like that, or foreign policy or, you know, some uh, space technology or, uh, air and sea power you know there's all kinds of of periodicals that that i can read that let me for my own opinion instead of reading what you know rt russia times mm-hmm. wants to form an opinion for me and mm-hmm. i i feel like that's what helps me that's what helps folks like mark graney that's what helps other writers kind of get ahead of that curve is well well we're not waiting for the plus we're reading a lot of stuff that's not that echo chamber that Mm -hmm. the same sort of thing that we already believe yeah that confirmation bias yeah yeah exactly you know and on a kind of a tangential topic uh as i'm I'm reading through shadow of the dragon um i absolutely love uh from a as a as a tom clancy jack ryan fan all of the references um to the past exploits to uh, John Clark's other adventures to the hunt for Red October. And it's a fantastic reminder of how long I've had a relationship with these characters and all the places that, you know, we've spent time together, you know, in fictional world. But uh, at this point, I'm really uh, wanting to find out kind of from the horse's mouth, where does Jack Ryan head after being, after being a president, is he going to end up <laughs> being president kind of perpetually and we just freeze time? Uh, you know, that, how, how, really how's, that, how's that going to get dealt with? Yeah, that, like, inquiring minds want to know, man. Yeah, you know, I got, I'm getting that question quite a bit lately and I, I understand it. It is not my call. I don't, <laughs> the, what, what I, so what I think and what Tom Colgan and I have mm-hmm. talked about um, is that while other characters have aged everybody kind of along Mm -hmm. the way i look at jack ryan and everybody i kind of look at ryan every book i write as if it's in the second to the last like the last 18 months of his presidency Mm -hmm. so if you if you think about so time is kind of frozen there sure and i i again i mean we're we have to suspend our disbelief here because some of the characters have aged up to where they're 18 or 19 years old and, mm-hmm. and they've then time passes so you can have them do things. But at the same time, James Bond has been in many <laughs> permutations and yeah. you, you know what I mean? And, yep. and in the new Amazon series, which has nothing to do with the books that I write, that's between mm-hmm. the Clancy estate and, the, and Amazon. Um, you know, he's a youngster in, in Afghanistan. Jack mm-hmm. Ryan is a whole different person. So these books are the, the books that I write are the Jack Ryan from the novels. 
-hmm. like for instance a, a good thing that i kind of i like to point out is that mark mark graney did an excellent job of making sure that the uh character stayed true to the ryan novel or to the clancy mm -hmm. legacy novels like uh ding chavez for instance in the movies was a sniper in the books yep. he's a, he's a ground pounder he's a mm -hmm. he's an infantryman a very good infantryman that does some special things when clark plucks him out of obscurity you know but um you see this whole web of characters that he built and it so the movies did him did it differently as well. The good movies, yep. the movies we love, the yep. you know the Harrison Ford movies, the Alec Baldwin, you know the Hunt for Red October. Um, so I just kind of until they tell me differently, and we mm -hmm. and believe me, we, this is this is my fourth book, and we've had that discussion almost every time. How how do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to handle this? Um, but it's sort of an unspoken elephant in the room <laughs> that I, that I know yeah. readers think about but hopefully i can write a, a thoughtful slash wham bam story that that is uh you know I, th I think if clancy were alive today he would write a different book than he wrote maybe not any different than hunt fred october but his books would have you know he spent a lot of time discussing deep mm -hmm. you know, describing for instance in in um uh, without remorse, he he takes a couple of paragraphs describing a K-bar knife, and the people that read him now already know about that. They they wouldn't right. take it; they would skip that. Mm -hmm. They would skim it. And so my job is to, as Elmore Leonard said, you know, cut the parts the readers will skip. And so I I uh, try to write a book with plenty of technology and. You know, in this day and age with cryptocurrency, which Mark did a much better job delving into than I have, um, but you know, um, internet and the dark web and all of that stuff that people, some people still don't know about. Um, try to write about that, but at the same time, the books have to move. They have mm -hmm. to really jump along. And I think the modern reader, with with Wikipedia and you know, Google and search engines at our fingertips and constant stream of news, um, it, books have to morph. They have, yes. they have to, as the reader morphs, you know. Yeah, and even uh, even at the time that it was released, I had to start uh, Red Storm Raisin, I think, three times before mm -hmm. I finally got it finished. Um, and, you know, at the time, it was probably a little bit of my personal uh, short attention span theater. But, um, yeah, the, the books uh, today that are being released and are, are popular and doing well um, are, are different. I, I recently tried um, to go back and reread Day of the Jackal. And, you know, that's what a 40, 50 year old book now, mm -hmm. probably 50. And yep. uh, yeah, the writing style has changed so much that it's, um, it's a little bit of a chore, which is unusual for a fiction experience, right? Like it's, <laughs> so, you know. I'm, no, I'm you're, you're and Forsyth's a good example of that. You can yeah. read, go back, I just reread The Dogs of War, uh, which when I started writing, that was a paperback that I got from my aunt, who's a librarian, and she gave me a big box of books, and I read The Dogs of War, and oh man, it was one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now there's so much culture in are in our brains already about 
soldiers of fortune and you know that they most modern readers now those of us that grew up on that and love it and you know we go back and sort of feel the nostalgia of it but but look at look at Forsyth's books in the last five years versus or 10 years versus the older books mm -hmm. um there, there's a lot of difference you don't you don't have a whole chapter on the the way that guns are smuggled you know the the way people get their gear and all of that little bits and pieces because that's interesting but you know you said something really interesting about the modern reader and our in our personal attention spans we're not where our brains are forgetting how to read five paragraph essays we're reading <laughs> five sentence paragraphs yeah. and moving on to something yeah. else yep. and so it's a real challenge for a writer i think to to put to make the reader turn the page it's mm -hmm. that you know that gaming um you want in gaming they want you to to be addicted they yeah. want you to not go outside and play soccer they want yeah. you to to keep on it and uh yeah always put those next two tokens in yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's that's what we want in in books is for somebody to when they know they have an important case in court or meeting in the morning that doesn't matter they just keep staying up and reading and reading and reading that's yeah it. and that's one of the things that uh in shadow of the dragon that um you've done so well with this in carrying on these characters um i was up pretty late last night reading through awesome. <laughs> and for, yeah. for that exact same reason right like at the end of every chapter it's not a cliffhanger but i can't quite put it down and go to bed yet you know it's just one more chapter five or eight more times you know yeah. and you know yeah. it's it's really incredible that you've done such a fantastic job at carrying on this legacy for readers like me who personally will let jack ryan be president forever so just keep, <laughs> keep going with that we're we're totally fine thanks thanks i i appreciate that and it's not a easy that that sometimes that happens naturally but I have a big whiteboard in my office that uh, mm -hmm. have color coded. Um, so I have each scene up there and they're color coded from whose point of view it's from, whether it's uh, China or, or um, Jack Ryan or some, you know, on the submarine or the, the Uyghur little girl or the, mm -hmm. the Uyghur older, the, her mom or, you know, whatever. And so I have the, they're color coded. And as I work my way through, I, I know that I want Jack Ryan to be spread throughout, you know, and I want him to have a strong presence. And so I have to give him enough of a plot to, to have that happen. Um, but then at the same time, I want something ought to be sort of a mini cliffhanger, if you will, you know, hanging fire. Um, when I get to the end of a chapter and then go to something else and it can't be filler. It has to be, something else that we've been waiting to see happen and i think that's the key and um elmore leonard and and there's there's others that many mark granny's brilliant at that and um, um don bentley mm -hmm. is good at that yeah yep and, and actually you know who else is i'm reading i i i rarely read this genre while i'm writing um because I don't want to accidentally steal something. Yeah, it's know. too easy, right? Like it just yeah, becomes you just, subconscious. You yeah. yeah, you yeah. just, and so, but I'm, now that I'm writing a, a Alaska-based deputy marshal book that I don't worry about stealing that kind of thing, I'm, 
I'm reading a couple of uh, Nick Petrie books. Mm -hmm. And that guy's that guy's overwhelmingly good. He is he is really a brilliant writer, and uh, um, he's good at that. He's good at making me stay up late. So now, in uh, I'd like to to kind of end a lot of the shows with some hypotheticals, if uh, you're willing to play along here, Mark. Certainly. And so, uh, first, I, I wonder. Let's maybe say that you find yourself in a circumstance um, that you and uh, uh, for now, let's just say you alone uh, have gone into far western China to try to identify a a mother that you need to rescue and her daughter. <laughs> and let's just say that things kind of end up going south, and so the the Chinese authorities are closing in on you and you need to desperately get yourself and these two women out uh, before you're, uh, they lose their lives and you maybe end up losing some salvation along the way, right? So mm -hmm. you can tap in two fictional characters outside of the Clancy universe to come in and assist. Which two do you want to bring? Ooh. Wow. That's a good question. I, you know, I think this is self-serving, but I'd, I'd pick my own Jericho Quinn just because mm -hmm. he's a, a badass. And then I would, um, outside of the Clancy, um, hmm, I would probably pick, can it, does it have to be contemporary? No, no. I, I mean, would pick, I would pick, team. I would pick Kim. The Kipling character Kim, yeah, that guy's a savvy young spy, and he knows that area. And um, I would pick Jericho Quinn and Kim. And uh, lastly, uh, looking at uh, especially leaning on on your background as uh, a retired law enforcement and professional investigator over the years, uh, God forbid it should ever come to pass, Mark. But if you were to wake up tomorrow and find that you've been murdered. What two <laughs> fictional investigators would you assign your own homicide? Oh man, these are hard questions. This is this is tough. Fictional investigators would I assign my own homicide? Um, probably in in books, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's it's your murder, man. You you can <laughs> you can pick anybody you want. <laughs> oh. I really, I really like that. I, and this is probably un, unfair to do this way because I, I can't even remember his name. Well, no, I can't. It's, it's the guy from Knives Out, the Daniel Craig character, yes. ben, yeah. Benoit. Yep. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Benoit. I really like, I like that character. I mm -hmm. like, uh, I, I would probably pick Endeavor from the, the um, maybe Benoit or Endeavor from the, I don't know if you're familiar with that British series. I'm not. Inspector Endeavor Morse. Um, he's uh, one of my favorites. So, not counting Benoit, I would pick Endeavor, and I would pick Endeavor Morse, Inspector Morse, and I would pick um, Foil. Are you familiar yeah. with Foil? I I'm foil not. Or? You were uh, adding well, folks onto the board that have never been mentioned on this podcast. So, We're at so, episode 91, man. That's, that's good so stuff. Foyles, so Foyle's War is a series by Anthony Horowitz. Um, 
it's it was set during World War II in a small town where uh, Foyle is um, an inspector or a, a police uh, chief inspector, I think. Anyway, he's a can't go fight. He's was in World War One and he can't mm-hmm. go fight. They won't let him go fight. They keep him at home investigating crimes, and so he investigates murders. And it's just Michael Kitchen plays the character, and mm, it's yeah, it's it's probably no probably about it. it. It's the best series on TV ever. Wow, it's just it's uh, it's understated. There's very little the the dialogue is witty but but sharp and not a lot of eloquence michael kitchen says yep a lot which is kind of <laughs> gary cooperish you know but um, it's brilliantly written that's who i'd want endeavor morrison and uh foil now i i think you uh you uh mentioned it a little bit and when you're talking about uh about reading inside and outside the genres there but uh, i imagine it sounds like you're probably working on it in the next arliss cutter right now Yep, working on, I'm actually working on number four called Cold Snap. Uh, number three, Bone Rattle, comes out after the first of the year. Um, so the the second one, Stone Cross, came out this spring, uh, this la- you know, this last spring. And uh, the paperback comes out in a, in a month or so. And then um, the one I'm working on now, I will turn in to the publisher in the end of December and then begin the next uh, Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan. Now, where can readers follow you, find out about your projects, keep up to date with, with, with what you do put out to uh, the rest of the world from the, the great white cold north? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm on Instagram, Mark Cameron Books. I'm um, on Facebook when I have to be um, <laughs> as Mark Cameron author i think um and i but i you know i i talk when i have a new book come out or when a book covers released or something artistic like that um i'll put that on there but most and then i have a website markcarmanbooks.com but mostly if you if you look at that you've got to look at pictures of my grandkids and me growing <laughs> my beard out to look like tactical santa and stuff like that I, i'm not very good at talking about my books but they're i do they're on my website they are on Instagram. Um, you just have to bear with me with my living my life up here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And I may be on a motorcycle or, or climbing a mountain or sitting. Normally, I think you and I chatted about it last time. Normally, right after Christmas, my wife and I go to the Cook Islands, the mm-hmm. island of Rarotonga. And I work on the bulk of uh, kind of the bones of the Clancy, kind of build the structure of it there for a couple of months. Uh, in the South Pacific, but we're going to stay here in Alaska. And so anybody that checks my social media will have to see me sitting by a fire in a cabin or something like that. Yeah, that's one of the things, uh, total side note, that, that's one of the things that I most appreciate about um, keeping a, a kind of a, di- a distant, non-stalkery watch on, <laughs> on, on you as a, an author and fellow cop, right, is that uh, one of the things that I hate about uh, the stereotypes of cops, right, is that uh, we're all uh, alcoholics and wife beaters off duty <laughs> and we're all these terrible things. Right. And then like, that's not my experience. That's not the experience of no. anybody, you know, that I knew that I worked with that, you know, um, you know, we're people just like everybody else. But right. I, I really appreciate that about everything that you're talking about that you're doing um, really 
reminds me of how family centric uh, that part of my life was. And I'm really grateful that, that uh, you're sharing that with the rest of the world. I appreciate that. I'm fortunate to have the family that I do. That's good. It's good to hear that about you too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're still willing to put up with me and that is my (laughs) greatest blessing. So I have not run out of luck yet. No kidding. Good for you. All right. Well, I greatly appreciate you having on, uh, having you come on the show, Mark, and take up some of your writing time. Uh, always great to have you. Looking forward to next time, sir. Be safe out there, man. Thanks, Gavin. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been acclaimed international bestseller, Mark Cameron. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.